Hey everyone, I'm Audio Nerd 64. And I'm Big Nakruma. That's and funny. We are your game of friends. Your game of friends. So do I have to like start talking for you to Sometimes. trigger the song? Or Sometimes. You... This just reminds me of that. Winnie uh, Houston, that's right. Some time. <laughs> Annoyed as hell. Oh my god. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. Jesus. Ooh. <sighs> Logging on. We got releases. Elden Ring, Martha is Dead, Rogue Book, Grid Legends, Grid Turismo 7, and Apex Legends Mobile. We're also getting into Amazon Luna, GMG Union, Street Fighter 6, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, Forspoken, and Epic Games. These past two weeks in nerddom, there's a new Batman movie, Peacemaker is over, Attack on Titan is ending soon, Amazon has some things up their sleeve, Marvel Comics has some shit to apologize for, so does Disney, and Bendergate is over. Oh, Bendergate is over? Yeah, we're going to talk about it. Well, well, yeah, we'll get into that later. Mm -hmm. Clearly. Anyway, uh, and later on in the party chat, we have a very special guest. Very special. Uh, I don't talk a lot in this party chat. um, Really? (laughs) Because it's all about my favorite game, Destiny 2. And let me be clear, not even the fun things that you would want to know like in a review this is really for the fans it's really it's for (laughs) the girls the gays and the days who who play destiny who play destiny and want their heads crushed by savathun's alien thighs that's absolutely correct perfect summary oh jesus jesus i don't even what is there to say well let's begin by talking about something that we referenced in the last episode, we were talking about The Sims 4 and Russian homophobia. <laughs> Again, not the Russian people's homophobia, but the Russian state's homophobia. And in between episodes, a little bit of a war broke out. It's bad. Yeah, I hope be- that that goes without saying. Right. Game of Friends is an anti war podcast. And thank you for phrasing it that way because we are an anti-war podcast, not an anti-this war podcast or an anti-any war involving people we don't like podcast, but specifically an anti-war podcast. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, twisting and turning. Hyper-glorification perhaps of What is actually a very sad situation, these people, the working people of Ukraine, are literally under attack. There are protests in Russia that are being suppressed, people who are being arrested for speaking out against the war. Like, this is not one uniquely good side versus one uniquely evil side. This is the result of decades of imperialism, essentially, mm-hmm. and an organization that, frankly, has a very dubious origin. I'm sure plenty of you by now have seen that the Russian state is claiming that Ukraine is overrun by Nazis and that this is part of a denazification campaign. And frankly, that is a gross 
oversimplification and exaggeration of what's going on. But in the opposite direction, in U.S. media, you see things literally praising the Azov Battalion, which is a neo-Nazi battalion that got integrated into the mainstream Ukrainian military. Like, that is a problem. That's bad. Yeah, it's not great. Generally, well, yeah, no, it is. It's not great. Um, And to be honest, this is like not something that I have really any usable knowledge in. So for the most part, I've just been shutting up and listening, Um, which I encourage most people to do. A lot more people should shut the fuck up (laughs) and listen to folks that actually know what they're talking about. There's a fantastic article that we're going to link in the show notes by fair.org. It really contextualizes the situation. It's not without context. And especially, it's not without American meddling, which is another huge component of this, and most foreign conflict, frankly. So at the end of the day, I remain steadfast in solidarity with the Ukrainian people, with those in Russia who are fighting back against this horrific occupation. And frankly, occupation and assault of Ukraine. Solidarity with the people. Fuck almost everyone else involved. <laughs> that sounds about right. <sighs> now, should we get into this? Should we get into the news? Yes, but before we get into the news, just as an aside, the gaming industry is not immune from what's going on. Mm-hmm. There are some games that are very likely going to be delayed as a result of this. Stalker 2 is literally being made in Ukraine Clearly, that is on hold. Um, I'm not expecting that video game developers are showing up to work right now. Solidarity with them in particular, just because this is a video game podcast, I I hope that they take all the time that they need, even if this means we have to wait another year or two for that game. Mm. And any other game developers that are in the way, um, I just, I wish you safety and success as you navigate this horrendous situation. Agreed. Now we can move on. To matters that are much less important. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Elden Ring came out, uh, and... It's the best game that's ever been made. It's the best game that's ever been made. It's extremely hard. It's Here's the thing. There are a lot of people who uh, have never played a From Software game um, and picked this one up first. And there's been a lot of complaining on Twitter. And for someone like me, who has still not picked up a From Software game, well, probably not, because I only need one hard game in my rotation at a time right now that is Sifu. Uh, it's a little entertaining to watch, I gotta admit. Gotta admit. It's so funny. I'm really taken by the reviews. I think that a lot of reviewers tend to over-exaggerate mm-hmm. the number of people claiming that this is the best open world they've ever experienced that it solves so many of the open world problems. It's very intriguing to me. I've never played these games. I'm pretty sure we've talked about how neither of us have played these games. (laughs) And frankly, the setting is more of what I'm not into. Okay. I just don't like grotesque, Lovecraftian shit. It's Mm -hmm. just, I don't know. I, I talked about it on this show before. When I played God of War, I ended up having like horrific nightmares <laughs> because of about how that. gory it was and stuff like yeah. that. There are just certain things that I can't really participate in. And that's okay. 
it is okay, but I am jealous. I like oh. want to be playing this. I'm not. I'm way less jealous because of how awesome Horizon <laughs> and Destiny <laughs> are um, and how excited I've been to be playing those. Mm. But I, I'm definitely going to pro- probably over the summer try to play this. Um, if you were on the fence, you probably shouldn't be. Like, if you're at all interested in this, it seems like it's going to be well worth your money and your time. All 100 hours of it. that's right all 100 hours (sighs) something that is absolutely not gonna be in my future is martha is dead no which finally came out no uh i watched the trailer for this Mm -hmm. and after i finished the trailer i was like oh hell no and then youtube auto played the next video for me and it was someone playing Martha is Dead. And the title is, This Might Be the Most Disturbing Game Ever. Mm. And I was like, oh, y'all can have fun with that. It actually got censored by PlayStation because oh. there is a scene. And I'll actually say trigger warning for like extreme gore. Maybe skip ahead like 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this. Um, apparently you cut off a little kid's face and then put the skin on your face and you like wear it as a mask at one point. And it's not something that happens in a cutscene. It's something that you, the player do kind of like in GTA when you are forced to torture that guy, it just seems pretty messed up. So PlayStation said, no, that's not going to happen on PlayStation. I mean, I think that's probably one of the best decisions that they've made all year. That is, uh, <sighs> I'm, that's disturbing. I'm anti-censorship. And also, this is probably not where I'm going to, like, fight the hardest. Yeah, no, I'm not, like, going to die on this hill. Yeah, make them, let them do We want face removal. We want (laughs) face removal. Jesus. I don't know. Just play it on Xbox. Oh, Microsoft didn't censor it? No. Wow. Interesting. I mean, it's it's not like it's a... It's a secret. Like, if, if you look at the trailer, if you look at why it's rated M... It, it's not yeah. being hidden from you. Yeah. There's no unicorn on the cover of Martha is dead. No, but I mean, also still. Like, <laughs> maybe, we could, maybe we could chill out a little bit with the server content. Fair enough. But whatever. Rogue Book also came out. It is a roguelike deck builder from the creator of Magic Gathering. I didn't know what a deck builder was. I was like, Pokemon? Yu-Gi-Oh? I mean, yeah. Well, so I was I was looking it up, and technically that's not completely right. So like Yu-Gi-Oh! specifically, or like Pokemon, they're like collectible card games. And it's a little bit different in that the packs aren't random. And that like all the power and stuff that you're building is done during the game instead of before you even get to the table. Mm-hmm. So like similar, because I was like looking up deck builders and I've never heard, like Dominion is like, I guess the biggest one. I, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck any of these are. Isn't Hearthstone technically a deck builder? Uh, maybe. I just assume that all card games are deck builders. I think for people like us, <laughs> I would conflate the two. But I think if you were to talk to a deck builder aficionado, they'd be like, ah, no. I'm so sorry if that's you. So, I mean... If you want to be our deck builder correspondent, <laughs> let us know. Let us, hey, the link to our website is in the show notes. <laughs> Grid Legends came out. Uh, it's an arcade racer. Yes. Uh, which is funny. I've never heard of this franchise before. 
Uh, this is the fifth in their series from Codemasters and published by EA. Um, it looks cute. It's very it's arcadey. Um, apparently, the franchise is known for its damage modeling. Uh, apparently, it's good and fun or whatever. But um, I I have Fort, so. These have not interested me, so I will be passing, but I'm glad that it seems to be a reasonable release for the folks that are interested. Uh, Gran Turismo 7, speaking of car games that I won't play, (laughs) the (laughs) best review that I saw of this is just something that reinforced my own opinion. Uh The last trailer that they came out with, I tweeted, like, this is so fucking pretentious. Yes. (laughs) I, like, literally was like, Y'all have fun. Like, it's a racing game for fuck's sake. Apparently, it is the car game for people who think that the automobile was the greatest invention of all time. Like, (laughs) it's just very laudatory about cars. Uh Uh-huh. Which my immediate thought in response to that is like, oh, these are the people that are, like, fighting back against transit. (laughs) Like, the the people that... (laughs) Want us to be the American way. slaves to cars forever. Um, so I can't get on board with that. It does, in every other respect, seem to be a solid game. Um, I, I know a lot of folks are raving about it, even though it it does come off as a little pinky out. Which is fine. You know, it, if that's what you want, then you should play it. I have a PlayStation 5, but, you know, I don't have a wheel. Do you? You have access to a PlayStation 5. (laughs) That's going to be a conversation after the podcast I'm recording. So for now, I'll just say I have access to a PlayStation 5, but I don't have access to a steering wheel that would work on the PlayStation 5. So, you know. Which is funny. Gran Turismo, as much as I don't, really mess with them these days was my introduction to the sort of more simulator, you know, racing game. So I have to give them that. And that's all they get. Apex Legends Mobile. <laughs> yeah, we're only bringing this up just because it's soft launching. It's not in the United States yet. So I was deep. I was like, no, <laughs> like they're soft launching it in like 10 countries. None of them in the United States. It does seem to be different enough. Like there are different skins, there are different achievements, things like that. Yeah. I personally don't find myself itching to play that type of game when I'm mobile. Yeah. Um, So this is probably not something that I will get too deep into. If I want to play Apex, I'm going to boot up my console. I'll see. Let's, you know, like maybe when it eventually does come out, I'll be like on a trip. And I'm like, well, I'm just sitting here. Not really, you know, like, I don't know. Well, let's see. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I will be trying it out because, as everyone knows, I have a, I really love Apex, um, which is it's very embarrassing sometimes to, like, show my biases, you know, in that in that way and be vulnerable with you all mm. in that way. Um, so, so we shall see. We shall see. Something that I will not be trying is Amazon Luna. <laughs> Really stepping up into the space that Stadia is leaving behind. I didn't realize that it wasn't already launched. I, I thought that it was. I thought that you could play Amazon Luna if you wanted to. I thought so too, but, but apparently like, not. It was oh. in beta. 
It's a beta. So now it's fully launched. Okay. It has a very weird pricing structure where you very subscribe odd. to channels as if it's like a cable subscription. The channels leave a lot to be desired. There's a Ubisoft channel, which is basically just a Ubisoft Plus. There's a family channel with some lackluster games, a retro channel with some lackluster games. There's a Jackbox channel, which seems like the only thing that really makes sense here. I mean, if you are not me and haven't already purchased like yeah, half you, of the month. <laughs> if like, you don't already have Jackbox, <laughs> this is a great way to access them. But after a certain number of monthly installments, wouldn't you have just paid for them outright anyway? Yeah, like, wouldn't you just buy them? So whatever. Luna is for someone probably just like Stasis... <laughs> Stasis. Oh my no, god. No, that's for later. That is Destiny Brain. That's for later. Stadia was for some like someone <laughs> played on Stadia. All two of you enjoyed that console. And one of the two people was a game reviewer. So <laughs> they don't really count as one person. Fair enough. That's so mean. <laughs> no, no. I'm gonna keep it in though. It's funny. Game reviewers <sighs> at Kotaku are now officially under the protection of a union contract. That's right. Geo Media employees at the Gizmodo Media Group have formally unionized and have a deal. They have a contract. Friend of the show, Carolyn Pettit, who is working over there now, was a big part of this effort. If you haven't been following her tweets, you're missing out. It was... A very interesting week. They were on strike for five days. Love that. Hopefully you did not cross the picket line. We completely missed our opportunity to talk about it because we're a bi-weekly show. But now that it's over and done, you can go read Carolyn's wonderful writing, probably, at Kasaku. <laughs> Hopefully, I mean. <laughs> I mean, she's an editor, so I don't think that she's writing all that much. That said... Congratulations. Congratulations indeed. And we look forward to your continued success protecting the workers at GMG. Love that. I love that. I was trying to come up with a witty transition because you've been on point the whole the whole news, but I can't. Not do everything it. has to be a witty transition. You're right. A teaser video for Street Fighter 6 came out. Uh nobody likes their new logo. Um, but everyone apparently is into the dick print that was in the teaser video, and it's really sad that that is the major piece of news that came out of that and not that the game is coming out itself. It was certainly a major piece of news. I have not played a Street Fighter game in oh a very long time. Maybe four was my last one. I just don't do fighting games like that anymore. I'm not good at them. They just take so much practice. They just don't fit into my video game consumption diet. It's not the type of game that I would want to play by myself. It's not That's the type true. of game that I would want to play only with you. Right. And it's not the type of game that I want to play people online in. I feel like fighting games like Street Fighter are perfect sibling games. You know what I mean? That's when I was into them. Yeah. Like you had- We're you like, super into Tekken. Yeah. Yeah. Tekken, I would Street Fighter. I their asses. That's right. Oh my God. Okay. So here's a funny story. I think I told this one, but it's been so long. Remember the X-Men fighting game? 
So it would be me, my brother, and my sister, and my dad would all play it. And anytime Angelique played, she would kick our asses. Really? Yeah, she just spammed her like up thing, which was like a I don't I don't know how to describe this hand motion, but she would like put her both her arms out and do like little thunderbolts. So it was a very it was a pretty far reaching attack. And um she griefed us. She griefed us. Wow. Um she was good. She was good. I always put my grief characters for last, like just in case they got through the rest of my lineup. Mm -hmm. It was basically the characters that I wanted to get better at that I would put up front Mm -hmm. and just see how long I could get. If they got to Eddie or Ling Xiaoyu or Nina, like it was over. It was was done. Yeah. Or siblings. I try playing in just, yeah, fighting games are, they're hard. That's another conversation for another day. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet were announced. (laughs) This is on the heels, by the way, of an intense debate in our Discord about (laughs) our last episode. It was a lot. And, you know, I'm... I don't have a dog in that fight. Or how about... (laughs) I don't have a Pikachu (laughs) in that fight. (laughs) So... Wow. uh, We've influenced some folks to purchase the game... We've also brought out the intense hatred of the game from others. We had some fierce defenders as well as some fierce detractors. Rigorous debate. That's the way of a democratic society. Absolutely. You can join the Discord and see for yourself. Uh, Regardless, every single one of those people said they're going to buy this (laughs) new generation game. I mean, like, did did the game even... Arceus even come out before they announced Scarlet. Like, I just feel like no one had time to stick with this game. And they were like, all right, new shit is dropping. Let's go. They announced some DLC for Arceus and it came out. Wow. Um, So things are moving very quick. I think what actually is happening here, because there has been so much conversation about the timing of this. Mm -hmm. I think two things are going on. One, Arceus was very clearly delayed longer than it was supposed to be. Yeah, Maybe it was supposed to come out in 2020. Or maybe it was supposed to come out in 2021, but it's come out now. Mm. And clearly, uh, they've been cooking up Gen 9 for a while. A lot of the Arceus stuff is seemingly in this new trailer. Some of the more open-worldy elements of Arceus. I don't think that this is going to be a complete adaptation or adoption of that kind of Pokemon game. But I do think that it's going to be the closest to a hybrid that we've experienced so far. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm still enticed by Arceus. I do have to say that some of the arguments being made in the Discord swayed me a little bit. Like mm. the urgency of picking it up kind of was knocked back down. <laughs> I'm still not sure where I stand about Gen 9. I think it's going to be a wait and see for me. Regardless, Pokemon seems to be in a fairly controversial place. Mm -hmm. And for some folks, this is the most exciting news ever. And for others, it's begrudging excitement. And we'll just have to see how it shakes out. So nothing's changed. Nothing has changed, but we will know more later this year. Again, pretty shocked that they announced it so soon after Arceus, and it's coming out this year. So maybe we'll see a delay, maybe not. Just like 
the Forspoken delay, which I didn't actually see coming. Um, it was supposed to come out in June, and now it's been pushed into later in the year. I think it was October or November. I got it's going to be delayed again vibes <laughs> from the announcement. Mm. So I'm just going to we'll wait and see. We'll it wait and see fun. what happens. A little high fantasy. It looks fantastic. So take your time. Do take what you time. need to do. Do what you got to do. It'll be great. As of this recording, tomorrow's state of play, when you listen to this, it will be after the state of play. So who knows if we're going to get more information at that state of play. We won't be talking about it for two weeks. So (laughs) (laughs) sit tight. Have fun. (sighs) And lastly, uh, in a very interesting convergence of my very two hyper-specific interests, Epic Games has acquired Bandcamp. Can you explain why this is a big deal other than bad? (laughs) Like, I just assume that something that people like being absorbed by something that people don't like is bad. But I don't actually understand what the significance of this is. So, in true acquisition fashion... Once the acquisition takes place, Bandcamp will run as its own entity for an indeterminate amount of time. Uh, and Epic Games is just there to support. Uh, and apparently is just going to help beef up uh, Bandcamp's infrastructure and make it more feature-rich, which it desperately needs and has needed for a very long time. However... I'm not an idiot, and most people aren't idiots. So I don't know how long that's going to last, really. There's nothing, you know, inherently wrong with an acquisition besides the proliferation of capitalism. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, you know, people coming in with more money and then potentially ruining a very, very good thing. I mean, I've used Bandcamp as a fan for a very long time, and I've also used it as an artist. By far, by leaps and bounds, <laughs> it is the one place where artists can go and, I would argue, get the most fairly paid for their music. Because, uh, you know, you have to directly buy it instead of streaming it on a platform where you get half a cent for 20,000 plays. And hopefully, you know, you can feed your kids with that. Um, we'll see. I mean, it's an interesting, like, treasure trove of content, like, with music specifically that, like, other platforms that are, like, in gaming specifically don't have. Mm -hmm. I think where my mind goes is, like, all right, so, like, maybe, like, it would make having music on a stream easier because they'll automate some sort of system. Or, like, gee, I don't know. It's, like, difficult to kind of figure out, like, what their sort of goal is. But, like, content is king, no matter what the content is. So it was, like, not particularly surprising for me to see that that, Happen like I think five years ago I'd have been like what the fuck but now I'm just like okay that this is what everyone everyone's just trying to get their hands on whatever content they can make and whatever thing they can extract as much value out of and so Epic Games chose music. I just don't understand. I don't get what this does for them. Maybe other than more easily stealing music and dances for Fortnite, like <laughs> I, I don't, I don't quite get it it's got to be insidious i have to assume (laughs) 
that it's insidious. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's, we'll see. I, I hope that it, you know, I hope they, I hope it stays how it's been. I think Bandcamp is really great as its own. I mean, like I said, it did, it does need more features, but I think as far as having a platform that artists can, you know, use and distribute their music and merch on and, you know, like Discovery isn't great, but I think their blog is amazing and really well written and has like been a very good portal for me to just discover new music uh, more so than any of the streaming platforms that I've ever used. You know, it feels good to like be able to support indie artists in that way. So hopefully they keep their word, but like, I guess we'll see because I don't (laughs) want to have to change platforms. I don't want to have to do it. (sighs) Yeah. But fingers crossed. I'm... I can't even use cautiously optimistic, I guess. I'm waiting in the wings to be disappointed. Hopefully that day never comes. <laughs> now it is time for these past two weeks in nerddom. These past two weeks in nerddom, indeed. The Batman came out. Unfortunately, there's a pandemic going on and no one has to wear a mask anymore. So we haven't seen it. No. We won't be seeing it for a while, it's probably. criminal. Like... It's it's criminal. This government wants poor and disabled people to die. That's the only assumption that you can make from the policy choices that they've decided to enact. Literally changing the definition of high transmission so that more counties are in quote-unquote low transmission areas, even though the transmission going on now is higher than high transmission used to be. Like, it 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 doesn't make sense because it's nonsensical. It's just a push to get people back into the office so that real estate developers are happy again. That's ultimately what it comes down to. Joe Biden works from fucking home but wants to tell us that we have to go back to the office. Fuck off, old man. Clearly, I, mean, I took that somewhere else. Clearly, you Batman. took that somewhere, which is fine. Uh, I will just, I will bring it back and say, honestly, <laughs> I think the people hurt most uh, by COVID are the bisexuals uh, who can't go and see the Batman. Listen, I'm personally <laughs> being attacked. <laughs> which, uh, you know, jeez, uh, it's crazy. We I mean, always that, suffer the most. We, oh, you, bisexuals always suffer the most. That's by, That's actual bisexual erasure right there. <laughs> Uh, so I hope we need to get your organization on it. Uh, let's get, oh my God. let's get glad. Let's get uh, the gays, the buys. Really, it's not just it's not the gays. Uh, the buys. Too busy sucking up to Biden. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> that took a turn. Anyway, Please, sir, can I have more crumbs? <laughs> anyway, apparently this movie is very long. It's very good, um, and I can't wait to watch it in the comfort of my own home. And. That's exactly how we'll be watching Without it. Without the comfort of our own fantasies. home. Peacemaker. Uh, <laughs> we kept talking about how we weren't going to finish it. And I guess it's just that the first few episodes are awful. Because the second half of the show rough, but was really good. Excellent. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think that the plot was pretty good. Yeah. The ending was what we were all thinking. Yes. The whole time. I won't spoil it because it's very good. It's very good. I will just say this. In the future when white people are like, oh, I don't understand like what 
denouncing whiteness and like white supremacy looks like, I'm just going to tell him to watch Peacemaker as a primer. I'm interested in you saying that because on the one hand, yes. However... But yeah, I, I know. I have a lot of beef with the script of the show. Yes. Mostly in the earlier episodes. Yes. And it's something that I want to connect to my thoughts about Attack on Titan from our mm, last episode. Yes. There is a level of discomfort that I have with the ongoing discussion around intent in writing. Yes. I understand that not all characters have to be good people. That if you have a character who commits a sexual assault or is a racist or hates disabled people, whatever the case may be, that doesn't mean that the author feels that way. It doesn't mean that the character shouldn't exist. Like, art for the sake of art makes sense to me. I totally get it. I'm not on board with censorship. I'm not on board with completely avoiding controversial topics, period. However, if you're going to do this, if you're going to like have a racist character, I don't need for him to repeatedly use racial slurs. Yeah. Uh, the, one, the one thing I was going to say after was like, what does James Gunn specifically have against Asian women? I don't understand. It's hard to not, at a certain point, start to wonder why this one particular joke keeps getting made. We hashed to go over. Okay, we get it. The guy's a fucking racist. I don't... <laughs> I don't... Right. We, we understand that he's a racist. He has a fucking white power supervillain costume. Like, I, I get it. I understand that this man's a racist. You don't need to say some of these words. It's like the fiction version of like when like white people are like, oh yeah, black people do have it hard when they see like their 20th police brutality video. And I'm like, you need 20 to get there? Right. There's also a tinge of like Quentin Tarantino. Like, yes. oh, I because of the context, I get to say it. So I'm going to really take this for a ride. Yeah. It just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. When it's overdone in that way. Like, after the white power salutes, I feel like it's Crystal firmly I'm good. established. I'm good. I, you don't have to worry about me. He can also still be rude and mean and say nasty things. Does it have to be slurs? Yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. That's bothersome to me personally, just because I think it's too much. And then also, again, there are just certain jokes given who James Gunn is and what he's been, you know, <laughs> put into the public eye about. It just almost seems like he is feeling a little bit holier than thou. He, he took a victory lap at this one. He said, that's right, motherfuckers. Look at what those 10-year-old tweets got to. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, you know, I don't need to be reminded that white men can just fail upwards like that. Like, yeah. Just, like, <laughs> like I'm, I was happy to watch the show, but it's like, and I think it is good, and I would definitely recommend it to people, but I'm also just like, wow, there's a lot of conflicting feelings here. Like, you can watch the first few episodes in the background, as far as I'm concerned, just make sure that on the fourth or fifth episode, you watch the recap. 
<laughs> <That's-> um, <laughs> and you get to skip a lot of the bullshit. Yeah. This is connected to my thoughts on Attack on Titan. I really went into this because it's been bothering me the degree to which there are accusations against the creator that he is somehow propping up fascism or nationalism, etc., mm. by using this really intense allegory for Jewish people. I think that the wholeness of the argument is a little more complex than that. Like, mm. Yeah. It's not just Jewish people. It's also Japanese people and the way that the island isolated them from the outside world for a long time. Like there's elements of that involved. Mm -hmm. There are elements of other conflicts from around the world that are very deeply cyclical. The problem is that there are also some straightforward nods to Japanese imperialism and to Japanese fascism, which is not a thing of the past, by the way. (laughs) Like, the current government is a right-wing government. Japan literally outlaws things like labor unions. A lot of progressive ideology is completely taboo there. There are some structural and societal concerns, Mm -hmm. and to see them uncritically praised in the show is bothersome. For instance, the general of the army in Attack on Titan is apparently based off of the general um, whose name I'm completely blanking on, who essentially oversaw the war crimes in Korea. For those that are not aware, Japan uh, invaded, occupied, and subjected Koreans to uh, light genocide. <laughs> like I, I don't, I, I don't know how to describe it other than it was horrific. Like it, it was a shameful part of their history, and there's still a lot of tension in the region because of that. So to have a hyper nationalist ethos is bothersome because of potentially where it comes from. That said, I think the ultimate message of the show is an anti-war message about the horrors of inflicting revenge onto a group of people that were not necessarily directly responsible for what happened to you. Mm -hmm. And it has now pit a bunch of characters that are frankly ready and willing to kill each other together so that they can stop this greater problem. The word genocide was explicitly used in the most recent episode, for instance, and they are teaming up essentially to fight against this genocide. So it's pretty clear to me that the show is not endorsing fascism and that the show is not trying to say that like Jewish people deserve XYZ or there's justification for XYZ, et cetera, et cetera. It's just that the metaphor is really inelegant mm-hmm. and is just too much sometimes. Just like the James Gunn scripts are a little bit too fucking much sometimes. Right. We get it. You do not need to continually show us the darkest parts of these ideologies. We understand. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are people that disagree with me. I'm sure that there are folks that like, feel as though the the raw, gritty reality or whatever is necessary. 
as a marginalized person who deals with this shit like all day. <laughs> every You're not day the intended anyway. audience. That's what it really boils down to. Is like, all right, like most media is like lowest common denominator. Yeah. I mean, and that's anything. There's TV, movies, games, podcasts, even the popular shit. They're thinking, if not, you know, not always explicitly, but just like, all right, most people who like listen to these things or like watch these things are middle-aged, probably college-educated, you know, working-class white people. Yeah. So like, that's the shit that mostly gets made. (laughs) So like, I get it. I understand like why... It exists that way because we're not the intended audience. So that's, you know, like. That's totally fair. And maybe that's the best way to put it. Like, okay, these things are not necessarily bad. Like, if someone is unlearning fascism as a result of Attack on Titan, then great. (laughs) Whatever it takes at this point. (laughs) I I worry that, like, if you're looking to things like Attack on Titan and Peacemaker to inform you about right and wrong in the real world, I have some additional concerns. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, moving on from this topic, Amazon has some delicious IP that they're looking to turn into either TV shows or movies or whatever. We don't really know. God of War is one of them, which is extraordinarily intriguing to me just in general. But the one that I'm more excited about than anything is Disco fucking Elysium. That would be an incredible weekly television show. Yeah. Uh, the only problem is, um, I don't know. I just don't feel like Amazon makes a lot of good TV. Jeff Bezos is think- not known for quality. I do have to say that. <laughs> it, it just, it's quantity and getting it out as fast as possible. Uh, <laughs> I do have to say the Reacher. It's pretty good. Yeah. Invincible is pretty good. I mean, no, Invincible was good. good. I know people like uh, Marvelous Miss Maisie, whatever the hell. <laughs> uh, is that not her name? Miss Maisel. Miss Maisel, whatever the fuck. Uh, and then Transparent. Like, they, they put out some good stuff. I just don't think of, like, Amazon at the level of maybe a Netflix as far as their original content. And if we're keeping it in the buck, Netflix is slipping. Is Mass Effect Netflix or Amazon? <sighs> Ooh, I, I don't, don't remember. remember. I don't remember. Um, anyway, I, I think the bigger concern is just that video game-related media is not always very good. No. We watched the I mean, Cuphead show and we IP got to the IP. song. <laughs> and he said, because you, you notoriously hate musicals. That's interesting you say that. I love musicals. No, you hate like musical TV stuff. I hate musical TV stuff and I never want to be surprised by a song. (laughs) If I don't know it's a musical going in, I have zero tolerance for breaking into song. Yeah. You know, he turned that off immediately. I was kind of, it's funny that you said that because we did start watching the Cuphead thing and I kind of was like, all right, here, this is kind of whatever. And then the song came and you were like, nope. I'm like, all right. It's just very much a children's show, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Like, I'm sure I will watch it one day with a child. Okay. But as a yeah. 30-something-year-old adult, not something that I'm going to spend my own personal time <laughs> watching at this point in my life. That's very fair. You were surprised by Bender gaping over. Yeah, so did he? is he going to do the show or not? Well, the reason why he wasn't going to do it is because he didn't want to pay him. At all? Or, like, not enough? Not enough. He I was mean, willing to do it. They just weren't going to pay him enough. That, I mean, because especially since he's done 
like Adventure Time and Block, like so many other things since Futurama, and like and already to be famous. He's in Destiny. Oh, he is Banshee in Destiny. Oh shit, the Gunsmith. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's cool. Anyway, my man's is like too talented to be not taking enough money to whoever's producing this thing. So like, also, how could you have Futurama without Bender? I, that like. It was very funny. Someone made, I think it was might have been on TikTok, maybe Twitter. Someone actually just like made like a fake introduction to this new season that would just explain (laughs) that away very quickly. It actually was really well done. Like they actually did a good job. Uh, But I was like, that's not. It's not the same. It's not gonna. I'm I'm not gonna watch it without Bender. I mean, it's already hard enough to like even get excited about this because how many times has the show gone off and then came back? Or I think this is like number three. It is number three. However. If there is a series that deserves it, <laughs> it is. That's right. Futurama, is, Futurama has always has it's always good. been that girl. Always been that girl. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie about that. But it's also like I'm not gonna watch it without yeah. that girl. You know what I'm saying? Like it's gotta have all the girls. You know? Thank goodness, Mr. DiMaggio is <laughs> is on board. So it's happening with Bender. All is well. Make these fucking companies pay. They just want to keep rehashing the same shit. Fuck. <laughs> Get paid for it. At least we need to get the whole cast. God damn. Ridiculous. Um, No money. Hmm. In some comic book news, there was a big dust-up regarding King Conan, a Marvel title, obviously about Conan the Barbarian. Mm. They introduced a character named Matoaka, who is just Pocahontas. Like, literally, that's Pocahontas's other name. I am probably oversimplifying that, so please do not get upset with me. Um, The problem is the character is hypersexualized and falls into other indigenous tropes. Mm. And the Native community was outraged about it, rightfully so, in part because the real Pocahontas not the Disney version of Pocahontas, but the real Pocahontas was sexually assaulted as a child by the pilgrims. Like it's not, it's not, not technically the pilgrims, but you know what I'm saying? It, 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 it was not a good situation. Yeah. Like genocide is not something that we should be making, making sexy and fic, you know, putting into yeah. our comic books. Yeah. So the I, creator apologized Future prints of the comic are going to change the name of the character. A lot of native folks are like, that's not, not really enough. enough. <laughs> or the point, really. Yeah. Because it's like you still have a hypersexualized native character. It's not good. It's not a good situation. Um, yeah, that's a question about audience, I think. Um, I, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. It's not, it wasn't, it wasn't creative with natives in mind, clearly. Clearly. In general, fuck Disney. (laughs) We're sitting here hours after the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida passed the Senate. It's almost certainly going to be signed by the governor. Fuck every single person involved with that. But in particular, Disney, because of the theme parks in Florida, because so much of their production happens in Florida, like a lot of their artists live in Florida, it's not just a California thing. Right, right. Well, 
they're choosing to stay out of it. And Disney has gotten involved in other issues in the state of Florida. Mm. And because they're one of these mega corporations in the state, they get listened to. So for them to stay silent about it is super fucked up. I hope not a single gay superhero, pride flag, or any such nonsense is even tweeted from their account during June. And if it is, I hope that the gays remember because this is super fucked up. The Disney gays are the Nicki Minaj stands. Oof. Oh my. Of the animation world. Yeah, no. Disney gays, I wouldn't fuck with them. I wouldn't fuck with a Disney gay. Good luck. They're upset right now. As they should be. That outhouse creator, good for them for sticking their neck out. Like, the Disney gays are not about this. And hopefully there's some kind of course correction. It's a little late. Like, the bill mm. is passed. It's yeah. going to be signed. <sighs> it's okay. They'll just give us, you know... Some gay tertiary character in the next Avengers movie, and you know all will be right in the world. Oh my God. <laughs> and you know that's great. You know, we've done it. <laughs> They've done the work. They've done the work. Oh my God! Oh, the only geez. good fucking thing that they've done recently is put the Netflix shows on Disney Plus. That's fair. I mean, there are wait, including Punisher. That's a great question. I don't know if it includes Punisher. I just keep like every once in a while, I'm like, they really bought Marvel, and Marvel is not making kids stuff. I mean, Jessica Jones is on there, and they definitely curse and fuck in Jessica Jones. So they curse and fuck. There were some black I was like, cheeks. Oh in my Jessica god! Jones. It's usually white cheeks. We're not always gifted. With black cheeks. Unfortunately, the cheeks belong to you, a four-legged you, animal with a black too face. Lo- too much. We must drop some music. We must drop some music. <laughs> Well, we have a very special guest today. We do. I feel blessed and highly favored. Um, This person quite literally saved my life when I was in high school. Um, Is one of my oldest good friends. And we lost touch for a very long time. And then randomly (laughs) found each other on the internet. And turns out both have a, a destiny obsession which I really appreciate. Um, and I'm I'm just excited to be in conversation with them about nerdy shit again. It, it feels like 20 years ago. Holy shit. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad there wasn't camera because when you said 20 years, I was like, that's too glo- Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're oh, old. No. <laughs> 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 Please, well. <laughs> Please welcome Rowan, co-founder of Dual Wield Studios and literal friend of the show. <laughs> it's so nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I 
I knew that this was going to be the conversation that I wanted to have about which <laughs> queen. You relatively recently, not literally recently, but relatively recently got super into Destiny. And I'm just curious, how did that journey happen? Because this is now a seven-year-old and change game. Yeah, I, um, weirdly enough, um, I had been like Destiny adjacent for a long time. Um, a bunch of my friends were into it. I lived in Seattle. And so like I, a bunch of my friends worked there at Bungie. I went to their Christmas party in like 2019. Um, had no appreciation for it. Never played it. Um, and then in November of 2020, uh, we were in full panini swing and decided that <laughs> I needed something to do. And I was like, well, I just, I built my own computer. I, I what should I play that mm. will satisfy the, the specific need that I have to like pick flowers and run around aimlessly and not have brain work like that, that it's, that is the thing that I needed. Um, and for a while it was Animal Crossing. Uh, mm. So, you know, naturally the, the next huh. step is a first person shooter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> How do we make this jump? I, yeah, I just, I was, my, my houses look immaculate. Uh, I, I set my island up for maximum capitalism. Um, mm, love that. <laughs> yes, it is. It is maximized for, for it is optimized <laughs> for hunting and gathering and it's really bad. Like I, I min-maxed too hard in that. And so I picked up Destiny. Um, and originally I was like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever. It's just a time sink. And partway through, I joined um, right when all of the stuff with Crow was going down. And a glorious time. I, yeah, I, yep, that was it. That was, it was over for me. I, he's, he's the town bike. I want everyone to take a ride. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, That's this, accurate. What? He's our emo little boyfriend, but we also want him to be everyone's boyfriend. Yes. Crow has two hands. <laughs> I'm, I'm, all, I did not actually get this lost uh, now six minutes into the Well, recording. you know who Crow is. Right. But you don't know him by Crow. It's Aldrin, who we kill in the Forsaken campaign, which uh -huh. actually I think is the last time you played Destiny. Oh, it was Forsaken. See, I don't even, damn, I don't even know. Yeah, well, he got resurrected as, oh. a, as a guardian. Oh. And then he got kind of bullied. So he could, they could bring him back, but not Cade? Well, Cade well, was already resurrected once. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. Oh my God. I'm just I'm just gonna <laughs> shut up for the rest of the interview. I don't know. No, what no, no, no. <laughs> Ooh, it's okay. I, I will say it does feel like extremely full circle to have you be the person that got me into supernatural and then I got into it years later and like went in like to the level that I'm at with Destiny. And now it's Destiny. It's it's like it's good sharing fandoms. I love it. You know. I might have regrets about the first one. Um, <laughs> you probably should. I have regrets about the first one. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't say it was a good idea. <laughs> this one, I have to say, you really came back when the story was turning around. Yeah. I think for a lot of the longtime Destiny folks, it is just straight up an addiction. And so, like, there's always going to be a part of me that is going to tune in to see what's going on in Destiny. But it didn't used to be the kind of game where progressively the story was unfolding each week. It was like 
big story dump. It wasn't written very well. It sets up shit that's going to happen in four years and there's no payoff. And in the meantime, go run around in a circle and collect items for your swords. Like that was what destiny was. <laughs> and now it is an epic. It is, it is a, a huge storytelling vehicle for all kinds of allegories and situations and characters. And they're all getting set up uh, in these pretty mediocre uh, expansions in the first iteration of the game. And now it feels like everything is kind of coming together. We're finding out with the newest release in The Witch Queen that essentially homegirl Savathun has been messing around with humanity and with the Traveler since before we were conscious of who the Traveler was or like that there were even aliens. So the perfect time to play Destiny is is when you came uh, into the fold. And it's really only gotten better um, since then. Yeah, huge agree. I, I'm the kind of person who makes like a notes document before I go on to things. And literally the number one on my list was I am a Sabathun apologist. <laughs> I am vaguely pro Savathun, I have to say. Um, I kind of went into the new expansion with the belief that the hive god of lies and cunning and trickery was actually telling us the truth the whole time. And I'm pretty sure I'm right. I I think that she was just telling the truth. Yeah, I I think I I have a conspiracy theory and I feel like... I, uh, I I have a lot of conspiracy theories, actually, but um, I, I feel like maybe not the start is the point to get into that. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, because I'm lost. Please. And so ask I, your questions. Yeah, yes. I, for, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking this for, for our humble listener who may or may not be a Destiny stan, really. This, this is the level that we're talking. Standum. Mm-hmm. What is a new expansion? Why is it important? I'm going to answer this question in a roundabout way. So okay. going back to Jordan's point for, for listeners, uh, Destiny is a games-as-a-service game, which means that it is constantly live-updated with uh, basically piecemeal content that you get to play through um, and and unravel a narrative that exists within it. But you can also do things like pick flowers and make your guns go burr. Um, <laughs> so the... <laughs> um, the main expansion that just launched is basically like an extended narrative component that takes place within the greater story. Um, I feel like the disclaimer you have to add anytime you talk about Destiny and going back to Jordan's point is that it's only recently the story has actually existed within the game. You used to have to go to a website called Ishtar Collective to get access to all of the lore because the only way to unlock the lore is to do random ass activities in the game. It's a very bad process. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway... Uh, new expansion basically is, is as Jordan was saying, the, the narrative payoff to stuff that was set up years and years and years ago. I th- I've seen a lot of people talk about how this, like, there's no better time to start playing. Like, you have to play this expansion now. I'm like, if you go into this expansion now without playing any Destiny or having any idea, you are going to be lost. I, I, I do okay. not think the onboarding exists. I think it's better than it was. But I do not think there is an onboarding that is adequate. You are going to spend it very confused. But it will be beautiful. Uh, it will be well voice acted. And the gunplay is fantastic. 
hard agree. Because the game is so big and it's a live service game where new stuff is coming out all the time, they've had to restrict how much content is in the game, uh, largely because console players are a huge portion of the base of this game and consoles can only handle so much data. This is not World of Warcraft, literally. Um, The engine just works differently. So they've had to shelve old content, including entire expansions. The base game is essentially not in the game. So when a, <laughs> oh, <laughs> when a player starts over that. again, there's this new quest line called New Light that they have you go through. And it explains the very bare bones of what's going on. But it does not really explain where the story is narratively. For mm-hmm. instance, you're going to play Strikes where Kate is voicing lines but Kate is dead and has been dead for a very long time. Yep. There are also situations where new characters who are super important are going to be giving you voice lines in these side activities, and you might not have any idea who they are, how they came into the world, why they're important, et cetera, et cetera. So Rowan is completely right. Like There is no onboarding in this process, which is why I actually think when... Rowan came to Destiny was the really good time because the story was just transitioning into being that overarching narrative as opposed to random one-off, you know, explosions of of bite-sized story. And it is true, most of the lore of the game happened online. There were lore books that you could unlock, but there wasn't really a mechanism for reading them at length in the game. There wasn't really a mechanism for exploring any of the uh, impacts of what you're doing in the lore or what's Mm -hmm. happening in the background of the game. Um, it, It wasn't impacting you, the player, in the game. Now, all that background lore is straight front and center, there is so much lore bombing going on with the Witch Queen in particular because a lot of these question marks about how the universe works, what the rules of this universe are, why everything seems to be coalescing in the soul system, like why is Earth (laughs) special in particular, it's starting to answer some of these bigger questions and making it clear that There has been a design all along. I feel so validated hearing of lore people going back to Destiny 1 lore cards and syncing up what's going on in the Witch Queen with stuff that we were told, you know, six or seven years ago. Um, So that stuff is really um, impressive and really cool. So everything that Rowan said is is accurate. And like, yeah, you're not going to, have the best time narratively if you pick up Witch Queen and that's your first experience. However, it is worth it, I think, to slog through because where they're going, if they only keep getting better, we're going to be in such a good place in a year or two in terms of this whole narrative. And you're going to want to play it through, I think. Yep. Huge agree. I, I It's very unfortunate that like, literally any explanation for Crow does not exist in the game anymore. Like, it's very <sighs> sad. Uh, yeah. But 
there's there's a lot that exists within the lore. And if, I mean, if you don't like reading, you will not enjoy it. But if you enjoy reading, um, there are hundreds of thousands of words. <laughs> so tell me what you got most out of the Witch Queen expansion. What has your experience been with it? How are you enjoying it? I agree with everyone that says that it's bungee at their best. Like mm. for all of all of the complaints that I would have about it are so relatively minor in the grand scheme of things. I enjoy the void, the updates that they made to the uh, the void classes. Um, I mm. used to kick and scream when I had to play Void Sentinel, and now I have not taken Void Sentinel off of my Titan. It's delicious. Um, Ooh, Titan main over here. I I started on a warlock. I mained hunter for a while, and now it's it's Titan time. <laughs> um, fully lost control of my life. Um, I just, I appreciate it in the same way that I appreciate Halo in that it takes me, I, I think roughly it's about an eight hour story, right? Like, does that feel? I think the first time you go through it, yes. My brother and I burned through it yeah. the other day. Same, the same. <laughs> um, and I especially think at like 1560, if I was playing on normal, um, I would, I would chew through it. Um, yeah. But I appreciate that the it is a self-contained, relatively self-contained narrative experience, and I like the way that they have the seasonal content set up. I, I re- yeah, I really enjoyed pretty much everything about it. All of the encounters felt fun. Um, I don't like puzzles as a general rule. <laughs> I don't like when video games make me feel dumb because I can <laughs> I can run, you know, a very very a company that's doing very well, and then sometimes a video game will put a puzzle in front of me, and I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. Okay, um, <laughs> Destiny doesn't make me feel like that. Like there's there's some moments where I'm like, mm, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I appreciate that it, it doesn't make me feel dumb. The gunplay was fantastic. The a bunch of new weapons that got added that are super fun. The plot was incomprehensible at points, but <laughs> that's a feature, not a bug. Sometimes, yeah. Overall, I just really enjoyed it. I, I think that that it was a very very strong addition, and and like you were saying earlier. The fact that it builds on so many things from like the Book of Sorrows or whatever like lore from 8 billion years ago is just very narratively satisfying. Yeah. So Savathun was the focal point of this expansion. Quick primer for our listeners. She's the sister of Oryx, who we took down back in D1. We're essentially murdering our way through this dynasty of hive gods who are all related. First, we kill Crota, Collager. Then we kill <laughs> his dad, <laughs> Oryx, who's oh trans and really mad that we killed his son, understandably. We turn them both into guns. Uh, See, that's, what's you- so, that's, that's fucked up. Because <laughs> the first time you told me that you turned somebody into a gun, I was like, wow, that's fucked up. Y'all did it twice? We've done it Oh, it's a running theme. theme. Yeah, like... That's the word, like, four now. I feel are they like. sentient guns? Like, it's just like... Yeah, they, they are, are now. Do they talk to you? Yep. They're like, hey... Yep. One of them I mean, literally does. You yep. need to, like, reload this and clean the chamber out. And... Not that kind of talking. Not that kind of talking. Imagine That's... imagine you had um, an old man that was in your gun and all he did was complain. Just... <laughs> you got it. You nailed it. I don't know how I would feel just being, like, next to someone's butt all day like that. I don't know. Well, they are kind of in prison, so. That's, mm. Hmm. Anyway. It's 
right? Sabathun <laughs> has been telegraphed as the next big bad for many, many years. There is a third sister, Zivu Arath. Um, there are plenty of nieces and nephews that we've already killed in other expansions. <laughs> um, but in this one, we take on Sabathun. We've both said that we're vaguely, you know, in support of, or, or straight up just Sabathun apologists. Fair enough. Um, how was how was your experience in dealing with her specifically as a character, her voice acting, what she did, like the plot of the Witch Queen itself? What were what were your thoughts on on how they introduced our dear Sabathun? I really enjoyed it. I, similar to you, I was like, I, I think she's lying at some points, but I do not think that she is lying to us. I, uh, the voice acting, incredible. I love uh, Deborah. What's, what is her last name? Deborah Wilson. Deborah Wilson. Yes. Perfect. Absolute chef kiss, chef kiss when it comes to everything. <laughs> just, I, I love, I love that. <laughs> you just get condescended to constantly by Sabathun. Like, it's just great. I I love a giant 10-foot-tall alien woman condescending to me. It is kind of the dream. It, it's great. And then her Roomba negs you the entire time. It's so good. Where else can you get that experience? Calling her ghost of Roomba. He's a spiky um, Roomba. It's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, she... She has the most personality of any Destiny villain to date. Yeah. And not just because they're kind of Agatha Harknessing her, which is, in my mind, clearly where they're going with this, but also just in general showing us we don't really know all that much outside of what she has allowed us to know. And that seems to be what the enduring mystery of this year is going to be. And I'm really excited to find out what all of those threads are and start tugging on them. So much has happened because of the raid yesterday, which we'll get to. But before we do, I want to bring up something that I've been told makes me a candidate for Freud, that somehow by noticing this, I have an obsession, a quote, (laughs) obsession with alien genitalia. Exactly. Take a deep breath. In Oryx's throne world, in the raid, King's Fall, when we go in to kill him, this is well documented. In the episode Bones of Feet, we talk about the dick wall <laughs> in, Oryx's, <laughs> in Oryx's raid. There is a wall where things are jutting out and, you know, mm-hmm. booping you across mm-hmm. a, a cavern, and it's a jumping puzzle, right? You just have to make it across this wall And unfortunately, or fortunately, the things jutting out of the wall, they look like dicks. They're just dicks. They have dickheads. It's a dick, as far as I'm concerned. And we all recognize that. And uh, It's really booping. It's that that (laughs) verb specifically for me. (laughs) Well, you get booped, you know? (sighs) (laughs) Anyway, in contrast to Oryx's generally phallic (laughs) throne world. Um, I had to look this word up because I didn't know what the, you know, equivalent to phallic was. But Sabathun's throne world is extraordinarily yonic. That's the word. Um, 
as far as I can tell, there are vaginas everywhere. Is that just me? No, I, no, it's not. And, and the funniest part about it is like, it has to be intentional. I refuse to believe. I refuse to believe that it's not intentional. Everything else is done with so much intent that like all of the flat, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a hundred percent intentional. The entire thing is a vagina. I've been calling it the Sabbath fussy. And <laughs> <laughs> not this interview being a health hazard. Oh my God. And what gets me the most out of mm-hmm. all of it is like in the final boss fight, anytime you deal damage to Sabathun. She moans. <laughs> I didn't make that up either, right? She's moaning when you hit her. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, I've done the boss battle like six times now, I want to say, like helping people through it. And, uh-huh. and every time people call it out, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it, imagine the most intense women's tennis match of all time and just dial that shit up. And that's what Sabathun is doing every time you shoot a bullet at her. No, no, we don't need. <laughs> we don't need the reenact. I can't. That I. That is where I draw the line. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna bleep that out. Actually, I. I will not let other people. <laughs> I will not let other people hear that. I'm so sorry. Oh my god. Anyway, it's it's the best destination <laughs> that Destiny has ever done. Um. I, the allegory is ending now. The, the comparison's ending. I want to say something without it being compared to genitalia. Um, it is just the biggest fucking thing that they've ever made. <laughs> it's so big. There are so many. T- All right, so... <laughs> it, it, where... <laughs> God damn it. Rowan, please tell us your impressions of the throne world itself as as a as a playable space. All of the other ones have been like somewhat outside, but this is the first time where uh I'm trying to think how to describe it because like you're outside in Europa and stuff. Um, but it just it feels much more open and it just it mm-hmm. it's like it's genuinely fun to explore. I've spent probably more time in the throne world than any of the other locations at this point in in recent memory. Um, Easily. Yeah. I, like, there's just, there's so much. And and part of that is not willingly. Part of that is just, like, sometimes you have to fucking walk so far to go get into a portal that's going to make you walk another distance, and that sucks ass. But just overall, it's just pretty. It's so pretty. I really like that they embraced color is what it feels like this, this season specifically. Yes. All the Forbidden mm-hmm. Jolly Ranchers with the relics, those are super cool. Um, <laughs> it just, it feels yes. so much more colorful. And it's just like nicer to look at than than rusty garbage freight A that we have to crawl through in in other places. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's so Europa cool. in comparison was basically just a blue desert. Yeah. There was like nothing going on, which fair enough, it's an icy moon. But um it it was like a, it was like they we're saving up all their creative energy for this throne world. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I don't know. I, I think that they've been measuring how big the expansion is by like a few obvious factors, how long the campaign is, how much 
uh, strike content or crucible content or whatever is coming back. But the throne world itself to me is way bigger than the dreaming city or the tangled shore, which, you know, theoretically is their biggest expansion forsaken. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't miss the tangled shore really. I, like I only want to be in the throne world. Yeah. Huge agree. Uh, I do miss Spider. I want to know what happened to Spider. Mm, we do need to know what happened to some of the characters yeah. that uh, <laughs> disappeared when these things went into the Destiny content vault. Because unlike the other planets, so their justification, Cedric, when they got rid of content, was that the darkness came to the system and literally vanished planets. Destiny, that's the one thing I'll give Destiny. They always have an in-law reason for everything, which that's is right. very funny. There's an in-law reason for the stasis nerfs in the crucible. <laughs> <laughs> stasis decided that it was like too powerful. And so it it just it wanted to like pull back. So it's sentient. It's it's very interesting. Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about the end game stuff that's going on. Um Obviously, the story is going to continue. The story never ends with the initial campaign in Destiny. Things are always happening after the fact. So what has been the most interesting post-campaign activity that you've done? Have you dabbled in the raid at all that got released yesterday? Are you aware of the shenanigans in the raid? What, what's your, what are your thoughts on all those things? So I watched uh, a lot of the day one raid content. I was watching X Black and Dado both go through it. Um, mm, mm-hmm. but like I was playing at the same time. So I, I did, I retained exactly nothing. Um, <laughs> the, the raid, I don't know, raids for the longest time weren't something that I could even remotely consider because it wasn't really until the last couple of months that I got like, I was into destiny, but it, it wasn't until recently that I was like, oh, if I grind this nightfall this many times, I can get this many Ascendant Shards and then I can min-max these stats and have a build for that. Like, I'm, I'm in it. It's real bad. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's rough. Um, in terms of the activity, okay. So I know that everyone's bitching about the drop rates for the Wellspring and I understand that they are adjusting it. But my counterpoint, this is my... This is my problematic opinion. This is my hot take. Uh, it's okay that you don't get a drop in the first two weeks of the fucking expansion. Like, everyone's flipping really? out. I think so. I think it's okay if you have to wait a couple weeks to get a drop of the gun because there are a thousand other guns, literally, that you can play with. You think that you shouldn't get all of the content immediately for a game that has an indefinite lifespan? It's just, I know, it's it's controversial, but... You might get canceled. I don't know. We might have to... <laughs> just delete me from existence. <laughs> <laughs> I'll one-up and say not only do I agree with that, but the fact that Bungie extended contest mode for the raid into, as of recording, tomorrow, is basically just to appease a few streamers that are definitely finished with their day one experience already anyway, and essentially locking everyone else out of having a good time doing it. <laughs> I know that I'm using terminology that folks might not understand, so backtracking, 
I know that I'm using terminology that not everyone might understand. So Rowan, can you please explain what the contest mode for the day one raid race is? I will give you my understanding of it. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. <laughs> um, it is, so you have a power level, which is basically, it, it's a, just like a normal level in a video game. It just determines how fast you can kill something or how fast you are killed by something. And so they raise that level. So you have to grind it some, some more time in the game. What the contest mode does is it locks your level. So I'm not going to use Bungie's insane 1563 is the floor cap. And if you do the artifact, like it's, it's, oh, it's so dumb. The, <laughs> you might be a level 10 because you've spent a lot of time in the game. Everybody else that has lives and touches grass semi-frequently might be at level four. <laughs> and so what they do is they say, okay, contest mode means it's capped at level five. So everyone has an even playing field. Got it. And that's great for the first 24 hours because it's supposed to be this big, challenging thing and only the best of the best can finish it because it's so difficult. Because what happens is that you might be locked at five and the beginning is also five, but at the end, everything is 10. Yep. And you're still five. Right. Okay. So all the extra grinding that no lifers can do that people who touch grass can't do it doesn't matter for that first 24 hours. Got it. And what is the significance of this contest mode being extended? Why did that happen? <sighs> I was prepped for the launch to be like Final Fantasy 14, where it's like you're sitting in the queue for 9,000 years. Uh, the launch for Witch Creed, flawless. Had no issues. Uh, the launch for the raid, for some reason, it was just everyone kept getting disconnected. I wasn't even trying to do the raid and I kept getting knocked out of Wellspring or whatever. And so the, the issue with everything is that people kept getting booted from the raid. And if you're in an activity where you're underleveled and it's new and you're trying to beat everybody else, it's a little bit frustrating to have, you know, your teammate maybe the one with the well that gives you health and keeps you from not dying get, get booted suddenly. Oh, there's just like randoms. Like yes. people were just like just in their squad of six and someone just, wow. Or entire teams yeah. were getting booted. Wow. Before hitting the first checkpoint, which means they have to do the whole beginning over again. So there's a few teams that probably feel like maybe they would have won the world's first race if they hadn't gotten disconnected in that way. And I guess the issues were so bad for some people that they quit altogether yeah. trying to do it. Mm. So this is Bungie's way of being like, okay, you have another 24 hours. The only reward at this point really being a special emblem. You get an emblem for doing it in contest mode that you don't get for doing it normally. But World's First is World's First. Like everyone who was competing for World's First was at the boss when the World's First team actually completed the boss. The final bosses are usually a brick wall until someone figures out how to DPS. And no one did that for, what was it, like two hours? Yeah. It took them to figure out how to damage the boss. Yep. So everyone caught up by that point. I'm a little salty about it because it means that if I want to do the raid, my weekend to do it is gone. Yep. Because now contest mode is extended into Monday. And if I don't have time to spend 12 hours in the raid because I'm going to be going in for the first time, I don't know what to do. I want to try and figure it out for myself, but I also don't want to be capped at five when I'm doing it. 
that opportunity is kind of gone until next weekend. So not the end of the world in either direction, but kind of annoying because Bungie has this reliance on streamers, which I think a lot of live service games do, where if the population of content creators leaves the game for whatever reason, uh, that's going to you know cause some, some amount of suffering. And so they want to keep them happy uh, at all costs, and sometimes to the detriment of normies. I have so many emblems. I'm not bothering. I'm just, I just, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. I have no idea what the mechanics are, but the final boss just looks so intense. It looks so much more intense than any other raid that I've ever seen in this game. Yep, same. That's, I'm I'm good. I want the I want the exotic glaive real bad, but I'm gonna wait for all the smart people to figure it out. I'm gonna wait for all my friends to get used to rating it, and then go, hey, help! <laughs> 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 Just strap me into a baby Bjorn and carry my ass through. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing that with a few new members of our clan recently. Uh, just doing straight carries through Deepstone Crypt and Vault of Glass. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for someone to do that to me in Val the Disciple. <laughs> um, okay. Final major question about this expansion. What is your... Uh, how are you feeling about what was revealed about the world of Destiny in the raid and the post-raid stuff that unlocked yesterday? I think, first of all, the fact that if you log into Destiny and it's like, congrats, you killed this guy and, and you know, Savathun did this to herself. And like, if you didn't pay attention to raids like me for the longest time playing, you're just going to get logged in and be like, we, we killed God again? Like, <laughs> it's it's so it's so silly. It's like on par with people getting tossed into dares when they logged in for the first time, and it's like there's no context for it. The onboarding process mm. is so silly. That being said, it's it's interesting. I this is this is part of part of where I think my wants for the story might differ from what the majority of folks want from the story. Where like I am perfectly happy. To, to keep playing with all the players that we have, but they keep adding new bad guys, which is because we, we keep killing the bad guys. Like, to be clear, I understand why. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely keep killing God. Again, it's it's just, it's very hard to, it makes it very hard to sell the story to some people when it's like, okay, but then there's Rolk, and he's, he, we kill him. Don't worry, he's dead. But then there's there's these worms, and like, you sound like an insane person trying to explain the plot. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's just not very new person friendly. That being said, I think it's very, very interesting. Um, but I would also be more than happy to just have like an entire season where they're like, no, you're just going to make more fucking cookies. Eva's back. This season is season <laughs> of the cookies. We're just going to make cookies and, and everyone's going to go to therapy. And I would be um, so happy with that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can you explain the cookies? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there is an old woman named Eva Levante who... Hello, uh, Guardian. <laughs> I love her. I would die for Eva. She is a seamstress cookie maker. She, she's, she's a little old lady who everybody knows because she's a little old lady and she's just been around forever. And mm-hmm. she is a holiday side quest vendor 
who basically her whole purpose is to give you an oven and then <laughs> you sound like an insane person explaining this. <laughs> you, go, you go and kill bad guys and then you make them into cookies and you give them to people. And those hold people, up, hold when up, you give up, them cookies, up, give up. you guns. Because hold, up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You kill people. Enemies. Enemies. What kind of enemy? Are we talking Vex? Are we talking... So, all of them. All of them. All of them? Yeah. Yeah. But so you, you, you definitely kill- use Vex milk to, to make cookies. And mm-hmm. how did... Mm-hmm. Uh, Vex eggs, um, which opens up a whole plethora of questions I do not want answers to. <laughs> the Drifter talks about eating all of our enemies quite a bit. Yes. Wait, okay. So you, ki- you... There's a Destiny cookbook. What? Oh, yeah. What is going on? <laughs> Have, has Jordan told you about the horse, the cosmic horse yet? Because no, just why you know what? Just just yeah, That's sure. The game show know. horse. The game show horse. I, I told you about the game show. I know about the game show. It's like some interdimensional yes. multiverse, whatever thing where you get a halo gun, but please explain this cosmic horse. Now, because I we just have to lean into the absurdity, I think, because other, like what else is there for me specifically? What else is there for your average gamer and not you obsessed Destiny players to grab onto besides this besides this cosmic horse? I want to know more. It's a cosmic horse. That's that is that is all the explanation <laughs> that is given to you. At one point, the man, the man with the tentacle face is just like I don't know, bro. <laughs> Like, God just sent this horse to hang out with me, and now I'm going to make you run on an obstacle course. Here's a gun. Straight up. I was actually really fuck? interested to hear how you were going to describe that, because that is the answer. It's, I don't know. It's a fucking cosmic horse. Yeah. What is there okay, so then my question, how, how do y'all keep your heads on straight? I don't... You have to be in it. You have to just suspend disbelief. Yeah. It's like being a Marvel fan. Yeah. Is it? Yes, because if you were there from Iron Man, you don't need the explainer before Infinity War. But normal people haven't seen every movie 10 times, so they need to be reminded and explained. And when you're screaming at the top of your lungs about a side poster on the wall that hints about a movie 10 years from now, they're the ones who don't know what the fuck you're talking about when you like come out of the theater babbling about it. And this is just our own version of that. I can see, I get it. <laughs> I get why non-MCU people are sick of us. <laughs> not, that, not that I'm sick of y'all, not that I'm sick of hearing about Destiny, but I could, I could see it. I could see the bridge that might connect where mm-hmm. I'm at and mm-hmm. where non-MCU people are as well. Mm-hmm. It's wow. a big magical world, Cedric. And it's beautiful. A cosmic horse. Well, (laughs) I think that's a perfect place to end it because we could literally talk about Destiny for hours upon hours upon hours. Grade, pass, like Witch Queen is literally the best ever. If you are a lapsed Destiny player, I would encourage you to come back. Yes. If you've never played Destiny before, I would encourage you to watch several hours of YouTube videos about the lore of the game and then 
start with Shadowkeep? <laughs> like, what's the most what's the most recently available thing that you can play as a campaign? It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. I'm, I'm, the new player experience needs to be completely redone. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I feel like if if you were the kind of person who enjoys playing against other people in a competitive sense, I would do the uh, Europa stuff because that's how you get stasis. And mm-hmm. that is useful in PvP, but also in some PvE. And a lot of the PvE stuff is just given to you automatically. Because um, I think you have to still go through solar and arc and void. Um, yes. If you are a predominantly PvE player, uh, I would do the new content first because you're going to get access to the unlocked void abilities, which has got to rework. And I feel like those are optimized, especially for new players. And you are a space wizard. And that new content really, I feel like, embraces it more than any of the other stuff. I'm very excited about all the other element reworks. Um, The caveat with both of those is you're going to have no fucking idea what's going on. You're going to watch lore videos and it's going to explain. It's, I'm trying to think of what the closest possible, it's like watching somebody try to explain war and peace. Like you are watching somebody (laughs) on YouTube explain war and peace and you can tell that they care about it. And that makes the video much more engaging to watch, but you have no context or a reason to care. It's very rough. You know who okay. needs to do a Destiny recap video? You know who we need to get into Destiny? Fucking Sarah Zed. If we could get Sarah Zed to do a <laughs> Destiny recap video, I think that they should just put that in the game. That's the new light experience. I would I would love for anyone not a straight white male to explain Destiny lore because that's all that's <laughs> available. Listen, (laughs) the way Bife cannot stop saying a moment is going to be the end of my life. (laughs) They're all all very nice people. A lot of the streamers are all very nice people, but I cannot. I can't. It's, that's, that's what you have to do. To onboard somebody into Destiny, you have to go, here's six lore videos narrated by a very lovely guy. It's not fun to explain in an academic sense, but what I want and what I've been talking about with a bunch of other fandom folks is like, I just want a bunch of fanfic writers, shit posters, and and yeah, like Sarah Zed adjacent people to like get really drunk and we all do PowerPoint presentations on different parts of the lore. And then that is going to be a thousand percent more entertaining than someone reading lore entries to you. One thousand percent. If you ever do that, please let me know because I will be the first person in line. We keep joking about it and and it's really like, well, a bitch might. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Turn turn that joke into action because that sounds amazing. Um, Okay, before we let you go, I also want to shout out, you know, like you're kind of a big fucking deal. (laughs) You are doing a lot for the broader gaming community. You're really a model of how to run a small business in this sphere. And I just want you to celebrate yourself and talk to our audience about what it is that you do at Dual Wield and what you're working on and how things are going because it's been incredible to watch. Yeah, um, thank you. That's so sweet. Yeah, so Dual Wield Studio is a licensed merchandise brand, which basically means that we work between IP holders uh, like 
for example, bungee. Um, we don't work with bungee, but in a hypothetical sense, uh, working <laughs> between bungee. Um, and basically, bungee would come to us and say, hey, I want to make this thing as a plush. And then our job is to uh, basically source artists, manufacture and design the goods, and then distribute them. That is the way that general merchandising works. The way that we kind of, I guess, do things a little bit differently is um, specifically if you've gone to a convention, there's, you know, the artist alley. And a lot of what my work at Dual Wield is, is trying to figure out a way to bridge the gap between IP holders and fandom. Because most of artist alley is illegal. Like in a in a copyright rule-driven mm-hmm. world, all of that stuff is illegal and you could be sued for selling it. Most of the time... Uh, Pokemon Company, Disney, et cetera, are the exclusions here. <laughs> Most of the time, an IP holder doesn't give a shit if you're selling pictures of two characters kissing. Like, they just don't. It's not It's not worth the money for them to scope out Artist Alley. That being said, we're seeing right. more and more automated systems that are specifically just doing wipes and targeting different fandom creators. Uh, and so mm-hmm. a lot of the work that I do is genuinely like validating fandom to people who only care about money. It's pointing out Mm. that there is an ethical way to monetize fandom, not in the way that Amazon does with, you know, get fandom, not in the fandom wiki, which is all of it is just to monetize fandom in the most soulless fucking way possible. Um, But a, a genuine sense of we connect IP holders to their fans, ensure that those fans are paid a living wage for their work, and then they get a part of the profits of the thing that they did. And mm. no other merchandise company does that. It's real fucked up. So we do a lot of work in the licensed uh, merchandise field. Um, I also work with indie game developers to help them uh, basically create products for their fans in in a sense of like many indie game developers can't sell a thousand units of something because their their audience just right. isn't that big. So we help them do shorter lines of stuff and and create marketing items that they can sell to their fans on a smaller scale. Um, And then we do that across a bunch of other different people as well. So we do that with independent artists, but all of it is is very focused on a level of transparency that I never had when I was working. Mm. Anybody at the company can pull a P&L. All of my employees know how much money I make. All of them have 100% paid insurance that is available on day one. There's no bullshit attendance policy. There's no... Like, and any of the shitty stuff that I had to do at any of the numerous jobs that I've worked, uh, I, I don't do because it's monstrous. And so a lot mm. of my interest is on figuring out how you can run a company ethically and what it takes to do that because it is, the world does not make it easy for you. No. No, no it does not. That is amazing. That, like, that's really dope. Thank you. It's super dope. And not only is it important in terms of where we're going with fandom becoming a little bit more ubiquitous in society, like I think the MCU and other type of fandoms are now mainstream in a way that they were not mainstream before. And so really setting the precedent that this is possible is really important. Mm. It's not just small-time companies that are waking up to doing business this way. Uh, you recently were working with Inner Sloth yes. for Among Us merch. Like, that's a huge, huge deal. Yeah. And honestly, it's so nice. This is why I love working with indies, because anytime I've suggested any of the absolutely insane shit that we are doing, uh, the answer <laughs> has always been like, yeah, that seems fun. 
it's it's none of the bureaucracy <laughs> and none of the I, I don't I don't have to ask to do good. Or I should say I still have to ask because it's their IP, but like I I never feel like if I'm gonna ask to do something to do good, they're going to tell me no because it's not aligned with the business or whatever. Yeah. Mm. It's really, it's really, really nice. That's that's beautiful. That's dope. Congratulations. Thanks. And how long have you been doing this? Uh, I started it in 2017. Look at that. 18, 19, 20, 20 five years yeah. during a pandemic. Look at you. Yeah, basically. It can be done. I, I started oh my, my company. Trump got elected. Uh, and then we went into a <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> there was the historic times. Yeah. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever try to start uh, a company during a pandemic and a trade war and an insane president? Don't recommend not good it's not fun <laughs> it doesn't sound like a fun time but hey you're doing it I, I am and i've got an incredible team of just the most talented like again it's it's good people genuinely good people mm. where you know if i say hey i want to donate to this fund again it's never there's never a worry that they're going to be like no that's our money you can't you can't give that's you know that's our company profits or anything it's everybody really cares and i am grateful and blessed every day to be able to be around such great people. That's wonderful. You've also really just been sitting in the precipice of history for so long. And yes, I'm specifically talking about the fact that you were at TumblrCon. <laughs> Jesus. God. I remember, oh my God. I remember you watching a YouTube documentary and being like, oh my God, I know this I person. I know that. I know <laughs> How does it feel to be so influential? To be so <laughs> It's every 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 couple of months that con comes up and at every time it's just, yep, that sure was a uh, the layers. I hope that, you're in therapy for that specifically. <laughs> just for that. That was that was my second con with the company oh, no. that I was working at at the time. I oh, I was at fuck. RTX and that RTX, uh, $40,000 worth of freight got lost. And so there was nothing there. And so we flew to DashCon oh, to God. make up for that, which is just oh, really an my... added layer. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Ooh, that is quite a sentence. Well, Rowan, thank you so much for imparting your destiny wisdom with us, um, as well as your business wisdom. We always appreciate people being treated fairly and good work being acknowledged. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Do you have anything else you'd like to promote? We'll obviously be putting links to Dual Wield in the show notes. Uh, no, I think... I think that's good. Follow if you're going to follow follow do wheel don't follow me on Twitter unless you are very into destiny because that is all I talk about. <laughs> people people follow me for like industry stuff sometimes and I'm like, "Oh, don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to find that here. <laughs> oh god. <clears throat> well, thank you again for joining and we'll we'll have to have you back for additional destiny conversations which i'm sure will be plentiful as long as i'm alive yes huge same thank you guys so much am i allowed to talk again i mean <laughs> Are you? I don't know. Are you going to fucking play the game? Or, I mean, 
We yes, haven't had a real conversation in weeks. Because you don't have anything interesting to say because you don't have any <laughs> Destiny things to say to me. Wow. 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 That's, that's It's really coming between us, and I wish that you would do what you what I to have do. to do. Yeah, it's, it's all on, it's, you know, it's, the onus is on me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's correct. Well, now that's two things we could talk about after this uh, podcast recording. Oof. Oof. Hate to see it. Hate to see it tally up like that. Thank you, Rowan, so much. Thank you indeed. We will keep the Destiny conversation going. And go. Much to Cedric's chagrin. And go. And go. There is so Energize much that we did not talk about. We didn't cover weapon crafting. We didn't talk about the new weapon type. We didn't talk about the new legendary campaign. Like, there are so many things that we didn't really get into the weeds on. And I'll, I'll have to inform our, our listeners who might not be super fans about the straight up gameplay stuff that's going on. We'll, we'll have to do we'll have to do some revisiting. And that in Destiny 2 will always be around for us. Well, at that. least for a few more years. Right. Yeah, until you know it's a PlayStation exclusive and Jordan has to have one. Anywho, thank you as always for listening. We appreciate you so much. Thank you especially to our patrons. Abner, Anya, Emma, Sarah, Nerdy, Cody, Shuli, Mike, and Emily. We appreciate you so much. Now that we're in a lot of different places, we would also appreciate if those of you who do enjoy the show would rate and review wherever you're listening to this right now. Right now. Just don't even don't even think about it. Just pull out your phone and be like, five stars. Rate and review. <laughs> You could also tell a friend. You could tell multiple friends. You could tell all of your gamer friends. Even tell your gamer acquaintances. Tell your gamer strangers. You know, just yell about gamer friends in the middle of the street. Shout out to Edna's mom. We love you. We love Enya's mother. We appreciate you listening. We do. We do. We know you'll go out and shout about us in the street. <laughs> <sighs> Well, I think that was a show. I think that was a show. Deuces. Bye.